told you Russia was going to invade Ukraine. They're going to invade them. Possible. Yeah. yeah said that, uh, Putin said that he feels like they belong that part of Russia. I mean, the Ukraine belongs to Russia. They lost the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've always had a historic connection to them. The strange thing about Ukraine, 25% of the Earth's black soil is in the Ukraine. So it's a very fertile land. It's been called the, the breadbasket of Europe. And another thing that was always strange is uh, the, the Chernobyl nuclear plant is there. And in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it says that the star Wormwood fell upon the earth and it made the waters bitter back in the 80s. I know it reached President Reagan at least, but uh, also over there, I believe that there is a statue commemorating it. But um, the word Chernobyl in the Ukrainian language means Wormwood. It's a type of plant. It's also where the uh, the drug absinthe comes from, the, the liquor they have over there that is known for hallucinogenic effects. A lot of people thought that that was a sign of the end with the Chernobyl nuclear accident poisoning a, a good portion of Europe. Even today, the uh, the hogs have radiation all over Europe. They can't eat the wild hogs in Europe because of um, the, the radiation. And then we have over there also getting pretty close to the, the Caucasus region uh, where some of the participants of the, the last battle come out of, like Armenia and stuff like that. Uh, yesterday, I think Russia signed a memorandum of understanding with, with the Armenians to, to help them. And there's a political knot over there in that area with Azerbaijan and Turkey and Russia and Armenia. And that's just above Israel and Syria. And so it's a... It's a hotbed there, uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia, just recently in a war last year. So it's definitely something to, to watch, especially as the, as the Russians are involved. We'll see how it, how it plays out. But if we remember Christ said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't let this concern you because the, the end is not yet. And so out of this, whatever happens, could uh, this could lead into that. But then again, it may be hundreds, thousands of years. Who knows? So Ukraine only the size of Texas, mm-hmm. which is a large state. Yeah, yeah, but that's not a. <laughs> I mean, Ukraine had nuclear missiles until they talked them out of them selling. If, if it had been twenty years ago, there'd have been nuclear war over there. Mm-hmm. They gave up their nukes, <laughs> which it, it would have been expensive to maintain. But with uh, if they acquire Ukraine, that will make that'll make them control about twenty five percent of the world's wheat production, which can lead into large amounts of inflation. So far as grain prices, if we remember one of the, the third horsemen of the apocalypse, is, they call him pestilence, but he's actually a famine because of how much food costs. Like you get like a quart of of grain for a day's wage, so that points to inflation, not necessarily yeah. starvation, yes. although it will cause starvation among yeah. yeah. So last week we stopped in uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 37. So we'll pick it up from there. As the, the thought changed last week, we heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Christ told us who was our neighbor, those that uh, take care of us. He sent forth 70 
and then to cast out devils and to preach throughout the land. And now we're switching subjects in verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. We notice there that she heard his word, that Mary listened to Jesus and she was sitting at his feet. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, doest thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So here we see that um, Martha was serving and taking care of the people in the house as, as a good hostess. And she had her sister there sitting at Jesus' feet. And maybe some jealousy there, possibly, maybe not. We hear no bad qualities of these women. They were very close, them and their brother Lazarus, with Jesus. And uh, it seems that Mary was especially close with him. Now this is not, she's not to be confused with Mary Magdalene or the other Marys of the Bible. There are six mentioned. Uh, generally they are mothers of people and then Mary Magdalene, Jesus' mother, and Mary of uh, Bethany. Uh, Jesus says a, a curious thing here that uh, she's chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And it, it could be that she brought Jesus some comfort. She uh, sat at his feet and heard his word. We'll turn to another place and look and see how this family plays into the teachings of the Bible. We'll turn to John chapter 11. Uh, the Gospel of John, as I've said before, is written in a different style than the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is a much more personal style, while the others were, in at least one case, eyewitnesses. We have the Apostle John writing here in a, a very tender style and also very detailed. We'll start in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was, in parentheses, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So there's also another place where another woman anointed Jesus with oil. These are two different occasions. That woman was a, a prostitute and Jesus received her anointing and uh, gave the parable of those who, the parable of a man that owed a lot of money and a man that owed little money, and the Lord forgave both of them their debts, and he asked the Pharisee who was there, uh, which one did they think would appreciate it more? And uh, he correctly answered the one who much was forgiven. And in that case, that prostitute or uh, woman of ill repute 
did love the Lord and he sent her on her way with her sins being forgiven. But these are two different women. Verse 3. Therefore his sister sent unto him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou love is sick. Speaking of Lazarus there. Lazarus. Verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. In parentheses, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, who would be Mary, and Lazarus. And when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he abode two days still in the same place that he was. So messengers came, and they said that Lazarus was sick, and Jesus was very close to him, but still he stayed where he was for two days. Then after that, he said unto his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? So his disciples are like, The Jews are trying to kill you down there, and you're going to go back into Judea. If you remember last week or the week before, Jesus, these aren't, this isn't the same time frame. This is just a similar thing but Jesus was going back into Judea to celebrate the Passover and his disciples didn't want him to do it because the Jews down in Judea were wanting uh, to kill him and he sent it to the villages of Samaria and they wouldn't accept him there because he had set his heart to go to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and the Samaritans thought that uh, Mount Gershon was the holy place but Jesus had decided to go into Judea And it was the same type of situation that his disciples didn't want him to go because the Jews made it pretty clear that they wanted to kill him. Verse 9. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. So, Maybe that's kind of a confusing statement there. And until I just read it there, I did not really have an explanation. But I think that what it means is that we know the Jews are trying to kill us. So it's no surprise we see this thing coming and we can be mindful of that. But then again, Jesus knew when his death would take place. Verse 11. These things said he. And after that, he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he doeth well. So they took it to mean that he was taking a nap, and they said, so if he's sleeping, he's all right. And remember, at this time, Jesus is several days travel from Lazarus, so he would know his disposition. And then we have in parentheses, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Verse 14. And then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. This would give Jesus the opportunity to perform one of his greatest miracles, 
that is talked about even to this day and which would have gotten many believers, many believers unto their own death. The greatest witnesses you can have are martyrs. It was good that he was not here at that time. Verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So this was the uh, Apostle Thomas. He's also known as Doubting Thomas because after the Lord's crucifixion and resurrection and everybody's telling him that Jesus has arisen from the grave, he says he won't believe it until he touches his wounds with his own hands and then Jesus uh, appears unto them at a later time and he knew what Thomas had said and he bid Thomas to come forth and he stuck his finger in the wound in his side and the wounds in his hands and his feet. And Thomas did believe, but he got the moniker Doubting Thomas, although he was, uh, here we see his character even. We can understand somewhat that if a man you'd known was uh, crucified and then everybody's telling you he's risen from the grave, uh, there could be some doubt. But Thomas' tradition says that he was martyred, as well as all the other apostles, save for the author here, John. But we see his character when Thomas says, Let us go also that we may die with him. Thomas thought they were going to get killed. And so he said we might as well go with him and let him kill us too. Because we're not going to be able to persuade him not to go. So we see here, uh, kind of a intimate details, probably the Jesus would not have kept all his counsel with his apostles. He did things, he did most things that they did not even understand until a later time, until after his uh, crucifixion and resurrection. So they would take in counsel together, like, oh, we can't make him not go. And Thomas is like, well, we might as well go with him where they kill us too. So it shows great bravery. People can Cowardly people can show great bravery at, at certain times, and sometimes brave people can be cowards depending on the moment. Humans are not always the same, though the Lord himself is always the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had laid in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh into Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. This is a, a mile and three quarters, basically. So we're very near the seat of power of the high priest and uh, the government there. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. There was a, a, a good crowd around them. We don't know exactly how funerals and stuff happened in, in ancient times or in each culture. But we imagine that it's like a wedding, a, a big deal as it is today. There are professional funeral goers. If you go to certain funerals, you'll see the same people at all the funerals. And they like to hang out and talk. And we, uh, we expect that this would be the same even back then. Like there are certain people, every funeral I go to, I can count on seeing them. And we're like, we ain't seen you since such and such's funeral. <laughs> then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha to Jesus, so 
as always, there would be people running ahead of Jesus to say that he was coming. And they reached Martha and Jesus was taking his time on purpose during this during this event. And Martha came out to meet him. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha to Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died, would not have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha is saying, like we say here, to comfort people that we'll see him again someday. And we know that when we pass away and at the last day, we'll see him, our loved ones again. And that is true. And Martha was repeating this adage but also this is a this is one of those things that says more than is actually being written there because it gives us some context at this time among the jews there were several different sects and the thought of a resurrection of the dead and we'll look at what hell is and how it's basically just the grave at a later date but like some of them believe that you just like atheists believe today that this is it and you die and then you know nothing else so the sadducees were like that the jewish sect of the sadducees um but we see here there existed it comes from uh daniel chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 i believe and, and a few other places and would have been from some of the teachings of jesus himself which are probably not recorded so this is all before the book of revelation and coincidentally, John is the author of the book of Revelation. It says, I, I know this shall rise on the last day. So this is a common teaching at that time. I say that because there is some debate over what the Jewish people actually <laughs> believed concerning resurrection of the dead in 33 AD. Verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, he shall live. Jesus told her right there that I am the resurrection and the life. There we have the holy name as well. I am. When God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, he said, Lord, what shall I call you? He said, call me I am because he is eternal. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, he shall yet live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Question. This is kind of a, a confusing statement. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And before that we saw that whoever was dead, but he also should have eternal life. This could be in connection with what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Or we'll start in 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. Again, here we have sleep 
in connection with death. The people that are alive will not go to the Lord before those that are dead because the ones that are dead are already with the Lord. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. That's the seventh trump, the last trump. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then which we, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds that meet the Lord in the air so that we shall be with the forever with the Lord. Now this, as we've said before, this verse and passage causes some confusion and it's where the rapture doctrine comes from. But just to clear that up, Paul knew that it caused confusion so he shortly thereafter wrote the letter of Second Thessalonians. And chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you should be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter from us. Remember, he just wrote that letter, which caused some confusion. As that the day of Christ is at hand, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there coming a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of position, who opposeth and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitting in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. So Christ shall not return until the man of sin, son of perdition, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stands in Jerusalem claiming to be God. And that's why as we spoke earlier about the, the troubles in the Ukraine and the wars and stuff, Christ says, be not concerned when you hear of wars and rumors of wars. These things must need be. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, know that the end is near, nigh even at the doors. So, after that, we'll go back to John chapter 11. Verse 27, Jesus has just told Martha that he is the resurrection and the life. And she said unto him, verse 27, Yea, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now here she declares that he is the Christ. This is a claim that could be punishable by death, claiming someone is the Christ, the anointed one. And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come, and he calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. You notice, as soon as Mary knew that Jesus wanted her, she came very quickly. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town but was in the place where Martha had met him. So he is not coming fast because he knows Lazarus is dead. He's not going anywhere. The Jews that were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily, went out and followed her saying, she goeth to the grave to weep there. So the Jews, they were going to weep too. Everybody got up and they went, <laughs> let's go see. Yeah, and that, you know, and in a lot of cultures that, that carries forth today when, uh, funeral is a big occasion of weeping and mourning and throwing yourself down and, and such as that. Different cultures grieve differently. Uh, no right way or wrong way. 
Um, uh, the Jews at that time, they were like, we're going to the grave too. Verse 32. And when Mary was come to Jesus, where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell down at her feet, at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. So when he saw all these people sad, the Lord was troubled at their sadness, and it hurt him as well. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus himself was overcome with emotion at the sadness of the people of this world at the death of a, of a loved one. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And the Jews were, were there and they saw Jesus crying and they, they were taken with how much Jesus loved Lazarus. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused even that this man should not have died? So there were Jews here present that had seen the miracles of Jesus. Jesus therefore again groaned in himself coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. We see here the Jews speak about uh, the miracles that Jesus performed. Now, when this was written, there is a a fragment of the book of John that almost everybody agrees is written no later than 118 A.D. So, Jesus would have been crucified in, let's say, 27, something like that, A.D. The apostle John, who wrote this book, is said to have lived to be 99 years old. We don't know exactly when he wrote the gospel, but that would have put us very close to 100 A.D. And the people who were alive then would have been alive at the writing of this gospel. And they are fragments of this thing scattered all over the Middle East. The people were alive, and they could have refuted that this man done all this stuff. They could have said, that he just made it up. And then some of them did. But there were people still alive. We have fragments of this book existing to this day that were written during the lifetime of the people. So it wasn't like written like 500 years later and they're making up some stories. These people were alive and they could have refuted these things. But here we have people saying that he had gave the blind their sight, and if he'd have been there, he could have made uh, Lazarus not die. Verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself came to the grave. It was a cave with a stone laid upon it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him which dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead for four days. Again, we have a, a clear indication that this is not a fabrication. We have Martha here saying that he's been dead four days and he smells bad. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? 
Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou heardest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when Jesus had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. So at the command of Jesus, even the dead who had been dead four days rose and came forth. We, we've seen him raise others from the dead, but they were recently dead. There, This leaves no doubt of the power of Jesus as one of his mightiest miracles. He prayed for those that were there and many people saw the dead man come forth from his grave. And then many of the Jews which came with Mary and had seen the things which did Jesus did believed on him. So that day he gained many followers and mo many of them would have spread his word and they would have, uh, many of them been martyred even. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. I remember the Pharisees are the religious higher-ups and also kind of part of the government, the Jewish government, though the Romans ruled. Um, the, the Romans gave them some autonomy in, in handling all their affairs. Then gathered the chief priest and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? question for this man hath doeth many miracles and if we let him alone all men will believe on him and the romans shall come and take away both our place and nation so i'll stop there uh, as it goes on uh, the chief feast kind of justified by like well then we'll kill him and we'll save our nation and he can sacrifice himself for our nation but really they just didn't want anybody yeah, they didn't want anybody taking their religious authority. But we we see there how that some of the Jews believe because now nowadays people give the Jews a bad rap that they uh, they murdered Jesus and which may not exactly be the case. But many of his first followers were Jews, almost entirely. The ones that spread the gospel were were Jewish people. Yes, uh, uh, Jesus uh, followers of Jesus became known as Christians. There's Gentiles and Romans. The uh, the Jewish people were a uh, they were a they were a sect and also a ethnic group, and they were separate from say the Syrians or the Parthians or the uh, Egyptians. They were small in number, probably. Not, not necessarily small in number. Um, they probably made up about 10% of the Roman Empire at this time. They were well-educated. They were doctors and stuff like that. And they were spread throughout all of the, the Roman Empire. Uh, little small groups of them. Mainly, they were clustered in Judea, in, um, in and around uh, the area of Jerusalem and Galilee. And then 
like right there, it says that if uh, this man takes over, that the Romans will come and destroy us. But the Jews were already a pain in the uh, side of the Romans. They were already causing trouble and rebelling. It wouldn't be like 30 years after this that the Romans came and they destroyed Jerusalem because the Jews rebelled. And then, let's see, about 40 or, or 60 years after that, the Emperor Hadrian came and he pretty much tried to wipe them off the map in Judea, changed the name to Palestine, and that would have been in 134 AD, and he scattered them throughout all the earth, and uh, that's called the Diaspora, and they did not come back in mass or have self-government until AD 1948. Until the year 1948, the Jews did not again rule in uh, Palestine. So, but all of our knowledge of the Bible comes from uh, the Israelites, and the Jews are one tribe of the Israelites. Any other questions, comments, concerns?